You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Well, welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. Today, once once more, I'm alone. It's okay. It's not lonely being here. Alone. I'm making this so weird. I'm so sorry. I apologize to you, listener. Partly, not completely apologize, but today we're going to take a look at a song that we'll actually be singing this Sunday at Bible Fellowship Church of Newark, not Jersey, but Delaware. And it's a song called Great Is Thy Faithfulness. It's a hymn that was written as a poem by Thomas Obadiah Chisholm in 1923. I actually did a Theology of Music video on this song, specifically unpacking the doctrine of divine impassibility. Uh, just in the, in the chorus that there's 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 no shadow of turning with thee, thou changest not thy compassions they feel not as thou hast been, thou forever will be. So that's the verse actually. Sorry, um, and I talked about James, where it says you know all good things come down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no shadow due to change, and and what that means that God doesn't change, and why that's a big deal to us, and so essentially uh, the rough and I guess this is a, I don't even know if this is a real phrase, but I've been saying this. You can tell me if I'm stupid. Uh, we've already established that I'm not really that smart. So, but the phrase I say the phrase "rough and rotty." I don't know what that means, but who cares? Um, I, I I would say that that kind of version of divine impassibility is that God is does not change. He is constantly all things all the time. Uh, he does not feel. Uh, like we as humans feel, but even though Scripture depicts him as feeling, it is in a way to help us understand God, not in not implying that God feels things as we do, or that in a moment he feels one thing over the other. Uh, so that's the doctrine of divine impassibility. God does not change in any way, whether it is in feeling or in mood or in decision or in character, everything is constant in the Lord all the time. And so even the the feelings that we would impart to the Lord that Scripture kind of conveys are all the time as well. So God is loving and is because he is love all the time. God is uh, acts justly because he is just all the time. So, so this hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, uh, is... It was actually written by this guy named Thomas Chisholm in 1923, and he wrote it to kind of talk about God's faithfulness in his lifetime, and he used uh, Lamentations 3.23 as his basis for the song. Uh, Many of you guys know Lamentations 3.22-23. It's that the Lord's mercies are new every morning, right? So it is of the Lord's mercies that are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Uh, they are new every morning, and great is thy faithfulness, right? And so there's, you see some of that language, right, that his compassions fail not uh, in, in the verses of great is thy faithfulness. Uh, and then so what, what Chisholm did was he sent this song to a guy named William Runyon in Kansas and around the time of 1923 who was affiliated with uh, Moody Bible Institute and Hope Publishing Company. And then Runyon sent the poem to music, and it was published the same year and became a popular hymn. And the biblical lyrics referenced uh, by, once again, Lamentations 3, 23, 22, or 22 through 23, uh, and that was a great kind of basis for that song that everyone could kind of turn to when they, when they talked about the song. 
And then what was really cool is it was exposed to wide audience, uh, an, a wider audience when it was became popular uh, from a guy named Dr. William Henry Houghton, or uh, yeah, Houghton of Moody Bible Institute and the late Billy Graham, who used this song frequently in his international crusades. So what's really funny about this is that many people think that this hymn is like a super old hymn, when in reality it's probably about 100 or so years old, which I guess you could say is old. But what you find so much in the church right now, especially in older churches uh, or in just older older congregates in the church, is they, they think there's this thought that hymns must be these 500-year-old hymns. And then when you ask them what hymns they want to do, they list hymns that have been written in the last 100 years, um, which is so interesting, right? Because the, most of the hymns, Be Thou My Vision is one of the oldest hymns that people do in the church. Um, and it's, it's just, I, it's funny that we, we, we have this kind of selective memory for, for songs that we like. Or, or it could even be, um, even, it can be people that are kind of younger in the church saying, oh, I want to do this song because it's, um, it's newer. And then they, they never want to do a song that was written past five years ago uh, when there are incredible songs that have been written in the past 20 years. Um, some of them in the past later than 10 years ago, and, and they're still fantastic. And so it's just really funny that we, we have this in the church. And my hope that is, my hope for the church is that we, we stop being so selective and be a little bit more fluid, right? If the, if the situation calls for a song to unpack a certain theme, let's, let's not be closed off to the reality that there could be a, a real possibility of a newer song written in the last year that could unpack this theme better than an old hymn. But let's also, on the flip side, not be closed off to the, the fact that there might be a hymn that unpacks this, this theme better than a new song, right? Cliff and I did that in the last episode. We, we, we said that there is a fountain better unpacks the blood of Jesus and what it means for us as Christians than a new song that was written in the past few years. And, and it's not you saying, oh, you're an old, you like the old music better than the new music. It's just you being a better shepherd uh, in, in picking your songs, right? And so, and I think it's the same thing for, for us as just congregates, if, if just lay people. There are better songs that unpack certain things, but it doesn't mean you can't listen to them. But if you're planning a set, you, you need to be able to kind of take off your bias and say, okay, this would be a better song, right? And I, I, can, I will admit that there were, there were times earlier on in my ministry when I was more closed off to newer stuff uh, just because I really wanted to avoid the hype, uh, not because I didn't want to sing a song because it was popular, I just didn't want to sing a Flavor of the Week song, and so I was very, very cautious about that. I still am, uh, and so I like to see if a song has, has, has legs, you know what I mean? So let's talk about Great Is Thy Faithfulness, because I think this is a song that has legs. What's also kind of funny, too, is this song entered the public domain in 2019, and then immediately Austin Stone Worship and John Piper added two diver- two verses, which I love. I love their verses, and I sing them when we uh, when we sing this song. Um, but the verses that you typically sing are this. First one is, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. And then the chorus is, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, a little repetition there. Mm, I don't think that it's good. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. 
The second verse, summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature and manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. So, I've already kind of talked about what the first verse talks about, right? That's that divine impassibility. The second verse is really funny. Some people skip the second verse, and I see this a lot, I feel like, in the church. We don't like to talk about nature worshiping the Lord, uh, which is interesting. I don't, I don't get that. Scripture is very clear that, that nature praises God, right? Uh, and I love that. I love that, the, that, um, that Thomas is, is saying every season... Uh, of the harvest and in, in the time of not the harvest of the the sun and the moon and the stars that are all above us, they all join together in, in witness to God's faithfulness. So they don't just worship. That's that's general revelation, right? That's Romans where Paul says the things that could be revealed to them have already been revealed. It's obvious. Uh, people are just blind, right? All of creation attests to a creator. That's what the verse two is about. And then verse three is so beautiful. There's every there's so much dripping from each line. Whether it's pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, right? You're looking at pardon for sin, right? By his wounds we have been healed. First John talks about how it's by his blood that we have been washed clean. Uh, and, and, and a peace that endureth, right? You, you're looking at uh, Philippians, where it says, in, in uh, the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Or uh, Isaiah, where it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, right? Peace that it does not come from us, does not come from within us, is the peace that endureth because, endures because it comes from Christ. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Man, I love that. God's own presence to cheer and to guide. And we, we, we get that kind of, uh, we get squirrely about God's presence in the church, right? Because we don't want to say God's presence is, we can kind of invite his presence into this room and now he's here, right? And, you know, some people want to misquote scripture and say, well, two or more gathered, their God is within their midst. Um, it's all about the fact that one, God lives inside you. So God is omniscient, right? And omnipresent and omnipowerful. And what we miss about the omnipresence of the Lord is if God is everywhere, then he is also within every Christian, and he's around every Christian, and he's everywhere within all things. Now, I'm not trying to say like universalism or anything, some weird spirit, some uh, mysticism or something like that, but there is some mystical nature to our faith that if God is everywhere all at once, then he is in the room when we are praising him. And so we can rest knowing that God isn't simply on his throne at the moment, listening to our praises from up on high, you know, looking down on the earth going, yes, praise me, little ants, little created things. He's with us as we praise him. And that should cheer us. And then he can guide us. He guides us through his word and through the direction, through the promptings of the Holy Spirit, through his word and through conviction. I love that. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Man, this song has been such a comfort to myself and my soul on those days where I feel like I don't have strength and I don't have hope for tomorrow. When it just feels like, what? I don't even want tomorrow to come. 
I don't want to see tomorrow. I just, I would rather just be done. I mean, there's, how many of you listening to this have felt that? You might even be feeling that right now. God has strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And all of those blessings are yours. And guess what? There's still 10,000 more. That's what I love about that last line. All these, he says, pardon for sin, a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Those are all blessings that are mine. We, believer, possess those blessings. And guess what? There are still thousands more blessings. That's why I love the song 10,000 Reasons. I love that. It doesn't matter. Man, if we are wrestling with depression or anxiety or loss or, or, or frustration or bitterness or, or hurt, Right, we will still always have ten thousand more reasons to praise God. I I, lo- I just love that. I love that thought. Okay, so then there were the two verses that Austin Stone and John Piper added. They actually omitted the summer and winter. Right, I'm not gonna say it. it's fine. Whatever. Uh, I could not love thee so blind and unfeeling. Covenant promises fell not to me. Then without warning, desire, deserving, I found my treasure, my pleasure in thee. That's super clear election and calling language, right? God calls us and shows us we were not going to love Christ we because we were blind and unfeeling. We were dead in our trespasses, as Scripture tells us. And those, those covenant promises for those, the people of the Lord did not fall onto us because we weren't in him. Right now, you could say we were in him before the foundations of the world because he chose us, yes, but we were not walking in him. But without warning or desire or even deserving it, our treasure came to us. That's the coolest thing about it was, we. it says, I found my, tre- my treasure, my pleasure in the yes, yes, true, but even more so, our treasure and our pleasure came to us and illuminated the reality of being our treasure and pleasure to us. I love that. It's so beautiful to think about. Next verse, I have no merit to woo or delight thee. I have no wisdom, no powers to employ. Yet in thy mercy, how pleasing thou findst me. This is thy pleasure that thou art my joy. God delights when we delight in him. You know, John Piper's famous phrase, right? Uh, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. That's, you know, you kind of, you kind of put that in a, a verse in a song, which is really funny, but it's true. God, God delights in his children who delight in him. And we have so much to be thankful for and to delight in as Christians because he is faithful. He has never, ever failed at being faithful to you or to myself. The problem is we have stopped looking for the faithfulness of the Lord. We have stopped being aware of the faithfulness of the Lord. And what we need to do when that happens is we need to stop. We need to take a second and we need to count our blessings. As cliche as it may sound, count your blessings. Are you alive? There you go. There's one. (laughs) Do you have a job? There's another one. Do you have health? That's another one. I mean, you could keep going on are you alive? Do you have Christ? I mean, obviously that's the biggest one, but all these different blessings. Do you have power? I mean, everyone that got hit by those tornadoes and the hurricane, do you have power? All right. Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have a car? Do you have money? Do you, we have so many blessings. And my hope is that we don't just have to look to the material 
to be aware of our blessings. But anyway, I'm excited to sing this song on Sunday with my church. I hope you guys sing this song with your church family, or I hope that you just listen to it. The Austin Stone and John Piper version is really, really good. You can listen to it on Spotify, uh, YouTube. It's a great, great version. But with that, if you guys ever have any questions or song ideas or critique, just send it to theologyandmusic at gmail.com. You guys have a wonderful day.